First up, before our study of the big book begins this morning, a very important announcement, a convention. And boy, oh boy, what a convention. A Vision for You presents to you Convention 2017, The Power of the Big Book, a week of, weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship. Recovery from a disease seemingly hopeless is now our story of transformation. September 15, 16, and 17, 2017, at the Liberty International Airport Marriott Hotel and Convention Center in northern New Jersey is simply the backdrop for this powerful, filled weekend. Within this convention center, miracles are happening. Don't second-guess this opportunity. Jump on this chance and register today. You will be among 1,000 of your closest lifelong friends, the largest single most gathering that reveal the promises of the big book do come true for everyone that works the 12 steps of AA. Come early and stay up really late. Take the marrow a bone of this information from this big book and you will go away changed. Go straight away to our website at www.avisionforyou.info. There you can register for convention, make reservations for your overnight stay, and be sure to check the community bulletin board on our website. Here you can post requests regarding rooms and transportation. On our website, you will also see contact names and telephone numbers for further questions regarding convention. Join us. We want to see you there. And now I will segue over to our meeting today to Kathy Kay. Good morning, Kathy Kay. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie C. Good morning to everyone, and welcome to Old Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2017, and we are reading from the big book. We are on page 20, the first full paragraph. Today's readers are Tenzin P., reading the 12 steps, Kathy C., reading the 12 traditions, and reading the text are Harlan G., Leslie M., and Rachel N. M., the reference number for yesterday, um, uh, March 29th, Wednesday, 7 a.m., was 9775, and for 10 a.m. is 9776. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 
at A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. here. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin P. And Kathy C., would you please read our 12 traditions? Yes, good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. The 12 traditions. Tradition 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, 
Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, and once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone except the speakers should be everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we begin study on page 20, the first full paragraph. I will ask Harlan G to get us study started. Thank you very Thank you very much, Kathy. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. These are the these are the paragraphs. You may already have asked yourself why it is that all of us became so very ill from drinking. Doubtless, you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. This is an amazing several paragraphs here because it really reiterates, it spirals the knowledge, it spirals the ideas of page 18 about the misunderstanding that people have toward us and the misunderstanding we actually have for ourselves, too, that people don't realize. Let's take a look at some of the things that are key here quickly. It says here, what do I have to do is the question that we may already be asking. The fact that we can recover, the fact that there are people in this world 
that are not compulsively overeating, who are compulsive overeaters, and they are doing so happily, was astounding to me. I had not eaten compulsively for months at a time while I was hunkered down, stark, raving, abstinent on a diet. I was never happy about it. And then it says here that there are people doing it. Wow, what do I have to do? And then it says it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. There's three references to why the book was written. Number one is on page XIII in the fourth edition. In the foreword to the first edition, it says to show, not tell, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And we just read on page 20, it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. Is that consistent? Absolutely. On page 45, the thesis line of the big book says, its main object, its being the books, is to enable you to find a power, capitalized God, greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Is that consistent? Yes. Is it absolutely essential? Yes. We shall tell you what we have done, not tell you what to do. This is the influence of Dr. Howard, a psychiatrist in Trenton, New Jersey, and the influence of Harry Tebow, who told Bill, don't write the book in the imperative Write it in the declarative. In other words, don't wag a finger in the face of an alcoholic because they are immature, sensitive rebels. And if you wave a finger in their face, it's not going to go well. So they wrote the book in the declarative. In other words, we declare what we have done rather than tell you what to do. Chapter 7 is written that way, but everything else is written this way. Now it says here a series of questions that I couldn't even answer myself. When I was three, four, five years old, the world would look at me and I would look at the world and the world would say to me and to my parents, why is he eating so much? And I would look at them and say, why aren't they eating so much? And what I did not have any understanding of then, and I didn't have an understanding of it until I was in my 30s, I didn't really understand that food does something for me, not to me, for me, that it does not do for the normal temperate eater. And it also is going to explain to me when it says what we have done, that only a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps is going to allow me to live free of the urge to eat. I have lost a little over 500 pounds since the very beginning. I came in at about five, 600 pounds. I went up to 700 pounds in program, and I've lost 500 pounds. I have been completely re-altered and reorganized and reborn in every sense that a person can be through the working of these steps. And the miracle of Overeaters Anonymous for me is not that I haven't compulsively overeaten in over 18 years. It is that I don't want to that the spiritual awakening as the result of the steps is giving me an effect just like the Oreo cookies did, with none of the devastating, death-defying side effects. 
and that I have not compulsively overeaten and that, yes, it's possible to have done so happily. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. So who would like to share on these three paragraphs? Katie S. R. Nessa R. Katie G. from Boston. Okay, let me. So far, I have Tina S. Nessa R. Katie G. Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Larry K. Kim G. Kim G. Let's stop there for our first round. So we have Tina S. Nessa R, Katie G, Chrissy G, Larry K, and Kim G. Please go ahead, Tina S. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tina S, Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Thanks so much for the share. That was fabulous. I am um, on that same page. You know, I, I like that it tells me the purpose of this book. You know, because I came here looking for an answer. Certainly did not know the problem at the beginning, but came here looking for an answer. And what I found was one. Once I, and it, previously we know what the what the problem is now. We know what the problem is. So if I want this answer in this book, then I've got to do what these people have done. And I tried for a very long, long, long time just to sit next to somebody who was doing it, and that did not work for me. You know, and that's just the truth. You know, so I have to know that this was my experience. This is what I did. It didn't work. And if I Sponsors would tell me, do you, if you want something different, Tina, you have to do something different. I was just oblivious to what that even meant, you know, until finally I was beaten to a place of, you know, reasonableness like it's talked about on the line, you know, and finally I was like, okay, let me just try this. What do I got to lose? That was probably the bottom line. What do I have got to lose? And so I just tried it, and I was amazed. You know, I was amazed. And, you know, and the first hundred, you know, they have, they, they're telling us how they recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. You know, and that's what I want today, one day at a time, because I also know that if I don't continue to do this, I will not continue to get it. And that's just been my experience. You know, I came to Overeaters Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous in 1987. That is not my sobriety date, and that is not my abstinence date. You know, so I came here for a different reason, you know, for the food plan, you know, or whatever. And I got the food plan, you know, probably basically the same stuff I eat today because I still have the same allergies to those alcoholic foods today that I did back in 1987. You know, so today I eliminate them, so I have a shot. You know, and, and I like that it was also shared that people that are not afflicted with this disease do not understand it. They want to help. They want to tell you what they would probably do if that, you know, were a case for the normal eater, but they do not understand. So I have to align myself with a power greater than myself for sure, but somebody else who is afflicted with the same problem. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Kathy K, star one. Sorry, I'm talking away here. Sorry. Um, thank you, Tina S. And we'll now hear from Nessa R. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how you uh, unjumbled all those voices, but uh, good job. This is uh, Nessa R., our recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So what do I have to do? Um, that is a question that I never asked um, when I was in the disease, whether I was in the rooms or out of the rooms, it didn't really matter. I never really 
ask myself that question. And that is the relevant question. It's the only question that really matters. And the reason why, why I didn't ask my, that question is because I was stuck in the whys. You know, why does this have to happen? Why is this happening to me? Why do things have to be this way? And the truth is that I never even really wanted to know the answer to those questions either. You know, what I, what I wanted was um, to feel that I didn't have anything to do. You know, I was total abdication of responsibility. It, it absolved me of um, the need to have to do something about um, my, my food, my weight, and not only about my food and my weight, but my life, because these are very relevant questions regardless of, of what's going on. Um, not only, they apply not only to the food, they apply to everything else in life. And what do I have to do puts back the responsibility where it belongs on me. Of course, I don't discount the fact that it is very important to know why I'm a compulsive overeater. You know, I have an allergy of the body and I have an obsession of the mind. But I can know that, I can know that too and still do nothing about it and just throw my hands up and say, oh, well, you know, God made me this way. God, why did you make me that way? But the key thing here is what do I have to do? And once I get to that um, point of willingness where I'm asking that question, I am in a very good place. I'm in a very good place because that means that I am ready to take action. And it is not asking questions that solve the problem. It's, 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 um, it's taking action that solves the problem. And what is the action? It's very simple action. Put down the food. Work, that, work these steps according to the instructions in these in this pages, and I'll be okay. And, and that's what happened. Uh, stop dwelling on the whys. Ask what and go to it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Katie G., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Sorry, setting my timer. This is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston, Mass. Love the shares. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, expert opinion to the contrary. I remember seeing um, one of the best specialists in Boston uh, at one, like a huge, whatever, eating disorder clinic, and she had me on Clonopin, Buspar, Meridia, Ativan, all sorts of um, psychiatric medications, which are great when they are appropriate. But she looked at me and she said, there is no way that you can try this program, Overeaters Anonymous. She's like, there is no way that you're going to be able to survive with the psychiatric conditions that you have um, without medication. And today, you know, uh, I... I, because of the result of putting down the food and working the steps, you know, I am one day at a time recovered. And, um, yeah, I love uh, a previous share. You know, I definitely spent a lot of time in relapse being like, well, why is this happening to me? But when I got to that point where I was so sick, I called that sponsor and I was like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. And um, I love that we have a textbook that tells us exactly what to do. And, um and specifically, and um, I heard another person say this and want to reiterate, you know, I've been in relapse a couple times, and what I, my experience was is that I went backwards through the steps. I stopped carrying the principles, practicing the principles in all my affairs. I was lying at work. I was lying in my relationships, stopped looking to God, um, stopped taking inventory in step 10 during the day and step 11 at night. I stopped 
um, being caring if I needed to make amends. I did not look at my character defects. I did not take inventory formally once a year, which is what I do now. I did not turn my will and my life over to anybody except for me. I did not believe I was insane. And then finally, because the stuff, the mishigash in my head got so bad, eating became a step up. And um, I just want to share, too, like, a lot of people say, hey, you know what, like, everybody can use 12-step. I don't know, like, maybe one day we will live in a, a place where everybody needs 12-step. But my husband does not need to do what I need to do every day specifically to stay alive and to have typical reactions to bad news or good news. Say, hey, that's bad news. Let's keep going. Hey, that's good news. Let's keep going. Me, I need a whole team of us together, the 12 steps, entire abstinence, no matter what, to, to stay where I am. And I'll just close with a lot of people, you know, said to me my whole life, why don't you just not eat that? Why don't you just go to the gym less? Why don't you just, you know, try and get on the scale less? Love your thighs. Look, if loving my body was the answer, it's a great thing, and that is a huge part of my recovery. But if loving my body stopped me from shoving food into my mouth on a daily basis, that we'd have a different program, but it doesn't. And I'm just so grateful to be part of you who are living in the solution of entire, entire abstinence and working with steps. And I'm going to do it with you guys for one more day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Chrissy G., please go ahead. Hi, this is Chrissy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. Uh, I What I do for a living is, is, I didn't do this when I first got into the 12 steps, but I'm a, I got into psychology, so I'm a behavior analyst, and we study the principles of behavior. It's so interesting for me, and listening to Harlan speak about the fact that first, we, we access this um, pleasure area in our heads with chasing the drink, chasing the cupcake, and needing that high, needing that next fix. And then when we put that down, we access our pleasure center with calling people, reaching out, helping people. But there's a process in between when we're giving up, we're letting go of the safety of the food to make us feel good and grasping on to the program to make us feel good. And there's an in-between place. And it's very uncomfortable, and a lot of people relapse during that time. And I think that what's really crucial is, like, for recovered people like myself, like, to really reach out to those people that are new, to keep them supported, like, really supported and, and cocooned in this program during that time because the, the isolation and the loud thoughts in the head of the disease are very, very powerful. But this program, this program does eventually quiet those noises and the, the, the good feelings from doing the right thing do start to come day by day. So for me right now, I have a, a friend who I lost in this program that was, it was such a painful, painful loss. And the, the mental illness that we deal with is it is, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than one person. It's bigger than me just working the program. I can't work the program in isolation. I need support. I need people that worry about me. I need people that check on me. We need that for one another because the disease, it says in the book, and I believe it, is bigger than us. And when we can't access the power greater than ourselves, we need 
you know, God with skin to call us and say, what's up? I haven't heard from you. So I'm really grateful to be a part of you all, and I'll keep, I'll keep listening. Thanks. Thank you, Chrissy G. Larry K., please go ahead. Hey, Kathy. It's uh, Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. You know, um, how and why we've recovered. Um, no spiritual awakening, no, you, no, no recovery. You cannot become recovered. That's my experience. No spiritual awakening, no complete psychic change. All you will have is temporary sobriety. There is someone on this line. I don't know who you are. I've, I've never talked to you. You have a very high IQ. You are analytical. You're highly intellectual. Your, your life is working very well. Yet this, you, you are dying of an untreated illness. And here's the thing. Here's the kicker. Your untreated illness, it's a spiritual malady, just like mine. It's a spiritual malady, and only a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps will work. And if you don't want a spiritual awakening, that's okay. Love and tolerance. We will love you to your grave. We will. And I don't say that sarcastically. We will love you to your grave. We will love you. But you will never, ever, 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 ever have a complete spiritual awakening sufficient to become unblocked from your higher power which will then drive out the obsession so you will not eat and you will not want to eat happily. All you will ever have, all you will ever have is a temporary diet, temporary diet that will result in temporary sobriety that may allow you to stay aligned with the fellowship and keep coming back. We'll be here. Most people in OA are not recovered. I don't stand in judgment of anyone. I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't determine who's recovered. But I know it because I was that person. And I believe that most people in OA do not, um, are not brought to this state of, re- of becoming recovered because they don't want a spiritual awakening. They want to be thin. They want to be good people. They are good people. They want everything, but they don't buy in to the, just being open to the possibility that a higher power exists and this higher power can restore us to sanity. And that's my belief and that's my experience. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Uh, Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, that word if is very powerful. It's a condition. I really, my ears perk up when I see that word if in the big book. So it says, if, if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? So for those of you that are, that are in the food right now or struggling trying to keep the food down, ask the question, do you believe you're an alcoholic? Do you believe you're a compulsive overeater of the type that they're describing in this book? Because I don't know about you, but I, for many years in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I would hear how many compulsive overeaters are in the room and I would raise my hand. But I realize now what I was raising my hand to was I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore or I'm thin and I'm terrified of getting fat again. Because in many 12-step programs, not just OA, AANA, we define our disease by our consequences. We're not an alcoholic unless we have seven DUIs. 
we're not a drug addict unless we had, you know, a three or four arrests. You know, as powerful as a speaker as Harlan is, I've never been 700 pounds. Therefore, I don't have to do what Harlan does. You know, for myself, I belong to a sorority where girls throw up 10, 20 times a day. I only threw up three times a day and exercised it off. I'm not really a bulimic. We're not defined by our consequences. What does it mean to be a real compulsive overeater? It's just simple two questions. Do you have an allergy to the body? When you ingest certain foods, ingredients, and engage in behaviors, not all of them, but certain ones, can you reasonably predict how much you're going to have? And do you have the mental twist? Are you able to stay abstinent contently? If you have those two qualities, then you're a compulsive overeater of the type in here. You are an alcoholic. And the second question is, do you want to get over it? I have to tell you, in high school, I went to bed almost every night saying, God, please make me size 14, because I didn't want to shop in the big girl stores anymore. I never asked God to stop eating. I know many people, myself included, that would come in. I would say, well, I'm going to do this thing until I get a date for the prom. I'm going to do this until I get to be in my daughter's wedding because I don't want to look bad in the, in the pictures. I need to do this until my doctor gets off my back about my blood pressure or until I get off my diabetic medication. Do I want to get over it is asking, do you fully concede that you are a compulsive overeater and do you want to recover from this disease? And when you can finally answer yes to both those questions, then the question is, what do I have to do? And here's the good news. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to figure it out anymore because it says the purpose of this book is to answer such questions specifically. So if you want a specific result, there's specific things in this book you're going to have to do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? On these paragraphs, three paragraphs. Matt M. Matt M. Reba P. Leah M. Let's start from age. Matt M. Vasa O. Reba P. A.S., I believe. Barbara E. And Barbara E. H. And C, if I have those right. Matt M., Fasa O., Reva P., Leia S., Leia M., and Barbara, I didn't get your last initial. Did I miss anyone? My last is E, Barbara E. Okay, thank you, Barbara. Okay, let's go with those. Matt M., please go ahead. Hi, Kathy K., can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you for your service. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Matt M. I'm a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Uh, it's the purpose of this book to answer those questions specifically. I don't know about you. When I first got this book, I thought it was so antiquated and anti-everything and anti here. I didn't want to listen to any of the words in there because I knew better. You know, you know, they say you don't have to be too uh, smart, to, uh, too dumb to be in this program, but I've been too smart for my own good to, to be in this program. I always thought I knew it all. I'm very stubborn, too. So, you know, all these all these questions are almost like the frothy emotional appeal some suffices. They remind me of that. You know, why can't he, why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? You, to, you know, I can't handle liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? You know, why don't I try... Uh, this this particular type of flower instead of this instead of white flower. Why don't I try this particular artificial sweetener instead of this artificial sweetener? Maybe that won't trigger me. Maybe this won't trigger me. Try and find ways around my addiction that I can eat what I wanted when I wanted it. And um, 
That's not how it works, you know? I had to be willing to be, be listen to my body and listen to what I know is going to cause an allergy for me and put, just put it down. It sounds much simpler than it actually is, but, you know, just put the food down. And um, I'm finally willing to do that. And now I'm getting some results. Like I'm working with a sponsor, and I feel really good about it. And I'm no longer going to ask myself those questions like, why do I have this disease? You know, I was born with this disease. I don't have to ask myself why. I don't have to ask myself why I have a mole on my chin. You know, I don't have, you don't have, to, you don't have, to, I don't have to ask myself why. I just have to understand that, you know, I have to just keep working at the way it's supposed to be done in the big book and just get out of my own way and stop questioning everything that my sponsor says in my mind because every time someone tries to tell me what to do, I'm right away running running away from it. I take the next step out if I can, out if I can you know, and I just don't want to be one of those people who runs away from everything. I want to face everything and recover. And uh, that's all I can do for today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, Rasa O, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Kathy. Kathy K for your service, and I am grateful recovering, recover compulsive eater calling from Florida, and uh, I didn't need anyone to diagnose me that I was compulsive overeater. I I took an inventory of my life. I looked at myself within myself, what I had done with the food over the many, 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 many years, but I had no understanding about the disease. I didn't understand. I, about the disease, I didn't. Ha- I had no understanding about the food allergy and the mental obsession with it. And um, I, it's not like I didn't try to put the food down. Oh my goodness, I tried so hard over the years. Put it down, pick it up, off and on. It was just, it was insane. And people did tell me how to do it. Well, you know. I needed this big book. I needed this program. Those people didn't have the problem, you know. They could, you know, moderate or eat, you know, whatever. But that didn't work for me. So uh, for me, I when I came, I was just so ready and willing. And I said, what do I have to do? Just show me, tell me. And I was so relieved. I was so relieved I found hope, you know. And uh, I did what people were doing that worked for them. And I did, though, even though I didn't want to share about my higher power for a couple of years, about my experience, and, you know, I did surrender. You know, I did surrender to God. And um, my sponsor, she suggested I didn't have to. But I was willing and I was ready. I said, I will surrender to God. I will surrender to the program. I will surrender to whoever you want me to do just to stop this this compulsion with the food. And I did. And I just, you know, yeah, I had to put the food down first and everything. How am I going to live the rest of my life with those foods that I love and that I lost over the years? And then for me it was to surrender and ask God to help me, to give me the strength from one meal to the next. And, and I threw myself in the program. I threw myself on the steps. And I replaced the food with, my, with the solution right here, the way it's laid out in the big book, and just, you know, work, like do the steps one step at a time as they're laid out to the best of my abilities. But the only thing I have to do... I do the best by putting the food down, and then the rest comes. 
you know, the fourth step and the fifth, you know, because I had the better clarity to be working the steps. And I read that in the big book. I needed to put the food down and my my allergy foods. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it's not just about the food. It's how my life has changed over the years. Thank you for letting me share our path. Thank you, Vasa O. Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. These paragraphs um, remind me that this disease is not logical, and I spend a long time asking why questions because, in my mind, if I asked the why question and I answered the question, the problem would be fixed. And it never, ever worked, and it still does not work. Um, and just like the disease is not logical, and, you know, asking why questions for me um, just perpetuates the self-absorption. Why am I like this? Why is this happening? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I pick up again? I know better. And underneath some of those questions for me are undertones of almost self-blame and self-punishment that if I'm hard enough on myself um, or figure this out hard enough, um, I will be motivated to do better. And that doesn't work either. It never worked. Um, but just like the disease is not logical, recovery is not logical. Because who would think doing these simple steps as laid out specifically in this book, just doing the steps and not figuring out the big problems in my life, that by doing so, things change. My body changes. I've been the same weight for many years. Um, I have healthier relationships. I'm doing my taxes now, and um, I am incredibly grateful and amazed in my work, what God has been able to do through me. Um, so to get off the analytical side that I want so badly to figure things out and just do what it says uh, specifically. And the other thing I wanted to point out is, you know, being um, the way I am as a real compulsive overeater, I might say I want the results, um, but the truth is a lot of time I really don't want to take responsibility and do the work. I just want to sit there and figure it out. I don't want to actually have to do too much. Um, so it says, you know, we will show you how, what we have done and we're showing you through our demonstration in the paragraphs above. Um, it's an action thing and it doesn't make sense, but it works. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Leah S., please go ahead. Thank you so much. This is Leah Essay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So um, when I came in, I, I knew that there are three things. Um, I have despair. I have um, hopelessness. I have um, depths of uh, oblivion. And, and I knew that I needed a solution. And the real solution was if I could have that security feeling of eating and, and feeling, feeling um, good about myself because um, all these feelings were coming up. 
And my sponsor told me, you've got to get into a structure immediately. I didn't know what the word structure means because I had one meal throughout. And I'm not even going to say that it was 11 o'clock and I finally went to sleep because it was the middle of the night as well that I was eating. So how can you tell me eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, even though psychologically I knew, so uh, quote-unquote, what three meals a day means, it still wasn't being done by me. And I'm coming back to the point of security. You find security in these 12 steps. They will lead you to the right path. They will lead you to to um, to serenity. Um, try to define the word serenity. You'll find so many different definitions. They will lead you to structure. They will lead you to peace of mind. They will um, help you. There are many people that uh, reach the fourth step and they become panicky and then they just go right back. This is too difficult. It is not too difficult. That security that you're feeling that while you're abstinent, that's going to become even more and more strengthened within you. Just trust the process and go through those steps because they will only free you and you will feel good about yourself and about others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Leah S. Leah M., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. You know, oftentimes this contrary comes from the very rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, you know, believing that alcoholics can can uh, be recovered, but it's not possible for compulsive overeaters. Um, and I would like to say from my own personal experience over three decades, uh, that's just not the case. Um, you know, the first 164 pages of this big book has been left untouched because no one's been able to improve on the program of recovery. This book, which will specifically answer questions, uh, has a goal and a purpose, and that's from the very beginning of the title page. We have recovered. Um, you know, we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. The big book consistently uses the word recovered and not recovering because that word shows a complete change in one's attitude. It's the advertisement to the compulsive overeater who still suffers <laughs> that we no longer uh, need to suffer from compulsive overeating. True, it's a daily reprieve. True, uh, it's a daily reprieve dependent on my, the, my spiritual condition, but I have recovered. I no longer suffer from the disease that I used to uh, suffer from. And, you know, in working with people over this period of time, I just want to say that this program of recovery and what we do, the actions that we take, 
not what we know and not what we think, but these actions that we take enables people of all different kinds, of all different types, of all different backgrounds, people who would normally not mix, is the beauty of this line, for example, to somehow come together and in spite of all odds experience change like they've never seen anywhere else. But I had to first get that education about the exact nature and condition of my disease. I knew I was a compulsive overeater, but I did not know how my disease functioned. I certainly didn't have an appreciation for the greater aspect of my illness. But this text and those in whom the problem had been solved who brought this text to life based on their personal experience and allowed me and guided me to apply these same steps in my personal life, and then that transformation occurred for me, and I was restored to sanity, and I haven't had the need to seek a substance outside of myself to become comfortable. You know, that is recovered. The obsession of the mind has been driven out, and I've been restored to sanity. If it happened to me, it can happen for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah M. Barbara E., please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, great. Uh, Take what you want and leave the rest. I heard that when I first came into the meetings 20 years ago. I totally misunderstood what that meant. I need to take it all. And as someone said earlier, it wasn't enough for me to just sit down next to someone who was abstinent and living a joyous, serene life. I needed to find out what I had to do. And I heard someone refer today to the declarative, show me what you did. And that's what I needed to hear because all my life I maintained sort of a, an independent spirit. It was Today it's replaced by a spirit of dependence on a strength outside myself. In my search for a, pure, a permanent cure for my compulsive eating, I went to doctors, weight loss groups, took pharmaceuticals, liquid substitutes, and I always lost and regained the weight. And those people uh, that I went to, they were always superior beings to me because I failed yet again. I judged myself stupid, inferior, a glutton, incapable of understanding, but someone was willing to show me what they had done and explain why it is important to reach out honestly and incorporate all, not just some, of the principles, not just some of the steps and some of the tools. I have to accept that I'm not perfect, but not give up on myself. I have to show understanding for myself and my fellow man, how I might respond in a kinder, tolerant way on a daily basis so that I can feel more serene. And by embracing the vision for you and going through the big book slowly and listening to the wisdom of people who have walked before me, I find that I'm changing. Just last night, there was a situation at home, and I was annoyed by it, but I understood it, and I accepted it, and I did something to get myself out of that state of irritability, and the evening went beautifully. 
and there was no reason why it shouldn't if I hadn't taken all the steps, done all the things that people have told me to do. Reaching out uh, is just such a wonderful thing, and I have said it before, but I'll say it again. The people in Vision for You are the friendliest, kindest people that I've ever met in my 20 years in all the face-to-face meetings. And those people are lovely. But this is a very special group of people. I feel like I'm with the PhDs of Overeaters Anonymous. And when I hear the term, the renaissance of Overeaters Anonymous, I am so happy to hear that word because the statistics that were thrown out yesterday 200,000 in 1990, down to 54,000 in 1984, and averaging what I believe it was said nine people at a meeting today in 2017. Scary. I never want a way to go away from me because I'm always going to be a compulsive overeater and a grateful recovered one. And this today, I'm not ashamed to say that. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. We have time for one more full share. Who would like to share? Melissa C. Okay, Melissa, it's yours. Go ahead, please. Hi, Thank you. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered. Compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, the first thing that uh, I think about is like that, the how, you know, how I became this way or why I became this way. And um, and that was a question I used to love to spend a lot of time on, you know, because it it, um, it really tapped into my, um, my fantasy thinking, you know, like, so what good would it do me if I could identify the how and why? You know, would I go back in time and suddenly make all those things not happen or, you know, give me a different set of genes? so that um, I wasn't a compulsive overeater, you know, or, um, you know, better yet, then I could assume no responsibility, and I could um, place a lot of blame on my parents, on my family, on my upbringing, on, you know, um, on anything, and certainly that didn't get me recovered. You know, it might be interesting if that that's, um, but it didn't offer me any solution. And then, you know, but how and why, um, I am, you know, got out from under this problem. That's something that we can actually examine. That's something that's actually beneficial and useful. Um, and it's not a plan that I dreamed up on my own. You know, it is exactly what was laid out here in the book. And that is what I can offer when I talk to people about being recovered, you know, and that not recovering. And somebody, um, beautifully pointed out to me yesterday that um, I have a habit, you know, at my meetings of saying uh, recovered, but, recovered not cure and uh, recovered but not cured. And that's not necessarily such a strong advertisement anymore. And so the how and why for me um, is that I follow the directions in this book. I stopped um, trying to tweak it. Um, I did precisely what I was told what I was directed to. I put my intelligence aside and I had a transformation. And so I am recovered today. 
I've gotten out from under it. Thank you, God. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Okay. Thank you, everyone. <coughs> Excuse me, everyone who has shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's meeting, Thursday, March 30th, 2017, is 9780. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Would Leslie M. please read, Our Book is Meant to be Suggestive Only, on page 164. Good morning. This is Leslie M., a recovered compulsive overeater. And Kathy, I just wanted to thank you for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.